Welcome to Investor Talk Radio, hosted by Kurt Davis. During the show, Kurt will share tips and strategies as well as guest interviews on how you can become a successful real estate investor. Kurt Davis was a former chef for 11 years until one day had the opportunity to take a leap of faith, left cooking, and became a full-time real estate investor. Kurt has been building his personal portfolio of rental property and at the same time has helped over 500 investors around the globe purchase cash-flowing rental properties. He is a licensed realtor who has achieved multi-million dollar club status, and he is also very active in the local real estate investment club. And now, here is your host, Kurt Davis. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Investor Talk Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Davis, and today joining me is Jimmy Luke of Titan CPA. Uh, Jimmy is a licensed CPA here in the Memphis, Germantown, Shelby County area. And Jimmy, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Kurt. I've been, I've been looking forward to this and uh, uh, getting to talk about one of my most favorite subjects, real estate and taxes. You know, some people would absolutely beg to disagree with you on that but uh, nevertheless that's why individuals come to someone like yourself because you are uh, excited and very well versed in taxes now uh, for the listeners out there uh, there's been some tax changes that took into effect and, and you know Jimmy's gonna be here to set us straight tell us what's going on because it really has not received a lot of media attention and I'm not really sure why that is but uh, really, before we get into the excitement of the tax advantages, uh, Jimmy, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm 56 years old, and I've been a CPA since 1982. Uh, most of that time, I've been working specifically with real estate investors. Uh, I say working with investors because I'm an investor as well. Uh, three years ago, um, we sold to a, a hedge fund about 250 houses that we had um, uh, purchased and so I've done it all uh, I'm a realtor I'm a broker uh, I'm a developer uh, I'm a contractor I'm a property manager so everything you've done I have done in my own personal affairs uh, that was a very very successful and financially beneficial uh, investment in those rental properties but I will tell you uh, just a short bit about how I got into that was really by accident when uh, a gentleman I uh, had loaned some money to couldn't pay me back and he deeded me 12 properties in payment of the loan and uh, it turned out that nine of those 12 had mortgages on them about double what they were worth so I took three properties about uh, 15 years ago and started with those three uh, what I had seen, and this is something just from an investing um, gamut that you might think about, what I have seen with my clients over the years, I applied to myself, which was this, is that people who invest in just one or two properties and they stay at one or two properties never make any money. Those who scale this into a larger number of properties have much more likelihood of treating it like a business and making money. Uh, I gave these three properties uh, one year to see if I could make money in them and after a year uh, I had made about twenty thousand dollars net and I decided that I could do this and so I immediately started scaling up this property until we got to the 250 properties that um, I talked about uh, our properties were working-class housing they weren't luxury housing probably the average cost was around sixty thousand dollars 
and uh, we always had ten or fifteen thousand of rehab for each one. So uh, that's where I come from in my investing. It's also when the the work I started doing with individual real estate investors uh, kicked in was when I personally got involved in. Well, and, and it's you know there, there's so many things that I, that we could talk about on this, and we we could actually probably just do another show about uh, Jimmy Luke, the real estate investor, and not the CPA. Uh, it's because it's fascinating that you acquired so many houses in that amount of time. I think uh, I mean I've been a client of yours now for what eleven years. Mm-hmm. And I only have 26 properties. So the fact that you had 250 some within a 15 year period makes me feel like I'm just a little little behind. I'm, I'm trying to catch up though. Uh, would you say that financing, uh, that the type of financing that was available uh, during the eras that you were buying had something to do with how you could grow so quickly? Well, at the very beginning, uh, this was pre the 2007, 8, 9 real estate crash. Um, money was uh, to, to be lent off of trees. It was easy. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when the real estate crash happened, uh, nobody would lend money about anything. And uh, at that time, I really thought I was going to go bankrupt uh, because they were calling my loans and the world was coming apart and we were just deciding whether our, if our ATM cards were going to work the next day. And uh, I decided at that point that I would do something completely audacious and I went to a local bank uh, that I dealt with and um, I asked for a million dollar line of credit. And I got it in 2009, right when the world was coming to an end. Incredible. I, I think they were just surprised that I even walked in the door and had the guts to ask it. And, um, uh, and so I was picking up houses that would lease for 850 or 900 for $25,000. Uh, a good friend of mine, Hewlett Gregory and I, uh, another investor, you know, would would joke that he and I would be the only people at the auctions, and we'd decide which property uh, he would buy and which one I would buy. But Paper, this is, rock, scissors, a, right? Yeah, it's a true story, though. But I guess what comes out of that is is that um, you, you, you can't you can't take no for an answer. You can't just give up just because times are bad. Um, the first bank I ever got a loan from, First Capital Bank here in town, was next door to me in my office, and I stopped by every day for three months on my way in to work to ask them for a loan. They got so sick and tired of me so that about three months into it, uh, one of the chief lending officers asked me to come back and talk about it just so they could get me to quit coming there. And uh, I got a $250,000 line, which was a, a big deal for me back then. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And, uh, you know, like I said, the fact that you were able to unload uh, 100% of your portfolio to a hedge fund kind of being in the right place at the right time. It was. Uh, the last question about this that I have before we kind of move into the even more exciting stuff is uh, owning 250 properties, some people would look at that and say, hey, this is this is a great retirement plan, residual income. What was it for you that made, made you to decide to sell them? Well, uh, the reason we sold it was, was, number one, we made an incredible amount of money. That was, that was the point. We did not sell at a loss. It was a, a sale that was um, voluntary on our, meaning mine and my wife's part. Uh, the second part was was that we wanted a different lifestyle. When you're managing this many properties, uh, your life is the real estate. I mean, you're, you're on seven days a week. Your pager of phones going off all the time. And that's the way to make money, but it's not a whole lot of a fun after a while. And so uh, the good thing about real estate is is that you can keep that lifestyle of working really hard, and then it, whenever you want to say, hey, the, the, I'm, I'm finished, 
you're finished and you can move on to something else, which was our, our choice. Um, uh, when we started investing in real estate, uh, we wanted to make our own decisions about our own life, not have someone like an employer or, or anyone tell us how to run our life. And so when it was time to invest in real estate, we did that. And when it was time to stop investing in real estate, we did that too, on our terms. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. And I'm sure I'll ask you more about it later on. But uh, for the listeners uh, who are listening, who are totally excited about the tax advantages that they are not aware of yet, they're about to. So uh, Jimmy, I know that when I met with you a couple months ago and we were uh, completing my taxes for 2017. I remember I got an email from you. It was kind of like an urgent code read. Here's something that you need to know. Now I have tried to read and study about this a little bit and I am not going to try to explain it by any means. I'm going to let you tell the listeners kind of what happened or, or what's going on. Well first let me kind of set the stage a little bit uh, more in general of why is real estate a the, the best tax favorite investment ever invented. And, and, and a bottom line, it's the following. Number one, you can have positive cash flow come out of your properties that you pay no tax on, no tax at all. So I can make net after uh, mortgage and repairs and management fees, say two or $300 a month per property. And when I make that money, unlike anything I know of that you can do to make money, you pay no tax on it. Uh, the reason that you don't pay tax on it is something that you, you need to kind of get the language going and understand this. It's called depreciation. Now, most people think of depreciation as they buy a car and they drive it off the lot and they say it's depreciated $5,000. Uh, while that's the common use of the, of the word, it's not the correct word uh, for this. This is how depreciation works. If you buy an asset, whether it be a car, a house, uh, a roto router, or whatever it is, the IRS has a table based on that type of asset and you get to write that off over a period of time. So for example, if you buy a dump truck, you can write that off over seven years and, and, and each, each year get to take a deduction for a piece of that uh, vehicle. It's not based on its economic value, it's strictly based on what the IRS said. So historically, what we've been able to do for a, a typical, say if you're buying a property, a $70,000 uh, say Hickory Hill property, three bedroom, two bath, you know, single carport type property. If you go in and put a 80% loan, which is fairly typical, or 75% loan, then you could make two or $300 of net cash flow a month. But for t after tax purposes, after we apply depreciation right off to that property, you're probably going to lose one to $200. And depending on uh, if you're a full-time investor or a part-time investor, you'll be able to offset that against your other income. So think about what has just happened here. You're making cash flow in your pocket every day, and you're not paying tax on it. If you have a job working at FedEx or uh, St. Francis Hospital or whatever, uh, it doesn't work that way. You make income and you pay tax on it immediately. Real estate is not that way. If it's a well-packaged, well-managed property, you're going to make cash and lose money for tax purposes at the same time. What I've just described to you is the historical stage of what we typically see uh, for a property. Then something magical happened. It's, it's nothing I can describe it but magical. In the week before Christmas of 2017. Correct. And um, 
the uh, anyway i'll let kurt lead me into that well you know like i said you know I, you know jimmy does my taxes every year he's been doing it every year for me for the last 10 11 years now and you know like every year i prepare my portion of what i need to do and i send my taxes in and you know i usually wait to get the email that everything's complete and i usually have my uh, brief meeting with jimmy but about about two days before i got contacted by your office actually by you directly saying hey check this out here's an article that you need to know completely new uh tax advantages are coming out and you know to me it just okay great i know you're going to handle it but uh it was a little different when we actually came in to meet with you so if, if you can explain that that'd be great what happened was was that the new tax act that passed the week before uh, christmas in 2017 is generally effective january 1st 2018 uh, and most of the provisions of it are really related to big fortune 500 type companies but there was this one provision that um, uh, it's the only I can find that was backdated like this. It went into effect September 27th, 2017, backdated. And anything September 27th forward, you could write off 100% of the equipment that you purchased, whether used or new. Now, now what does that mean? Well, equipment we think of as a, you know, maybe a front-end loader or a pickup truck or something like that. And that is what that is. But for real estate, that has a very distinct purpose. And here I've got to get a little technical, but if you catch this, you'll understand where I'm headed from. Let's assume that we have a house, and let's just say it's a house uh, up in Raleigh, and it's a $100,000 house. Now, first we have to determine what the land value is. And since there's very little new construction in that area, the land is probably not worth hardly anything. So let's just assign $1,000 to the land value for it. And so now we have $99,000 left. You can write off the equipment portion of that house. And you think, well, there's no equipment. Well, let me give you some ideas of what the minimum that it would be. You've got your HVAC units. Uh, you've got any kitchen appliances. You've got doors. You've got windows that can be removed. You've got carpet that can be removed. You've got the whirly birds on the, on the roof. You've got the hot water heater. You've got the uh, tubs. You've got the shower heads. You've got the countertops. You get the picture. So it sounds like just about everything that you would do when you're renovating a home anyway. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. Roughly, if you hired an engineer to go in and determine what this uh, amounts to, you're going to get about a third of the cost of the house related to equipment. Some buildings more, some buildings less. Buildings that have more you know, built-ins or features or in a more expensive area might be more and versus houses uh, or warehouses that have almost nothing would be less. But a third is approximately right for uh, investment property. So here's the magical part here. Let's say that on December 29th, 2017, you bought this house uh, and you paid $100,000 for it. I'm going to assign $33,000 of that to equipment. And this is the sweet part. I can write off 100% of that equipment in 2017. You have not even made a payment on this house yet. You have not even put a tenant in this house yet. And you have a $33,000 deduction. Let's say that you're in a 30% tax bracket. That's, a, that's about a $10,000 cash savings on this house that you bought and owned for four days in 2017. Did you see uh, with your clients that you uh, do taxes for, Jimmy, did you see people buying houses like this? Like, I guess my question is, is 
like myself, I was unaware of this. I didn't know about this tax rule. Would you say that some of your clients were informed and they knew about this? Uh, even my most sophisticated, largest clients did not know about this. Uh, when and when I started sending out these mass emails to clients, and I attached an article from Forbes magazine, which is uh, uh, a little more easy to read than some of these technical and, things. And by the way, I do have that article still, and will send that out. Uh, and, uh, uh, and and they thought I was kidding them. Uh, they thought I was making this up. And so then I would send more detail. This is the law. These are the comments on it. And uh, it, it's phenomenal. Let me give you one example from a client of mine in, in another city. Uh, and they bought a larger property just to see how, how, how massive this can be. Uh, and this was in Birmingham. And uh, they bought a $10 million office building on the last business day of the year. Phone's blowing up. Sorry there, People want to know about taxes. <laughs> uh, they bought this property in Birmingham for $10 million. Now, that price that they bought it for, was that turnkey ready to go, or did it need some work? It was full of, it was full of tenants, so it was ready to go. It, okay. was, a, it was a Class A uh, luxury building, and um, uh, one person who had owned it just wanted to sell it. Sure. And so we bought this $10 million property, and it was a reasonable price. It wasn't ridiculously high. And it's a really nice area, rents for $30 a foot or so. And uh, uh, we assigned the land value to it to about a about million dollars, because this is obviously worth something. So now I've got $9 million left in this. Uh, and in this case, it had a lot more personal property uh, specifications of how they built it and stuff like that than a typical place. So we assigned a 40% personal property or equipment value to this. So 40% times $9 million is $3.6 million. My client in this case was in a 35% tax bracket. So you know, do the math on this. We're talking about a $3 million uh, tax savings. The month, month savings is huge on this, and um, uh, and he hadn't even made a payment. It was a owner financing deal where he put down a million dollars of cash, and I got him back the the cash. Did you get him back the cash and then some? And then some. <laughs> and then some. Uh, and and the thing about it was is that until he came to see me in February, he didn't even know what he had done. It was a completely did he total give you surprise. A, did he give you a tip? I hope uh, he. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did bill him uh, well. Let's put it that Fantastic. way. Fantastic. Uh, but but that that's an example of how this works for on the very high end of things, and also on, on the, for lower income properties. Uh, it's the same math. It's just smaller numbers. Is all it is. So, for you know, for that maybe the average listener out there, you know, uh, investor out of state looking at Memphis, maybe our company or not even our company, they're just looking about here in Memphis, and they they're a professional. Maybe they make hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year. What is what does something like this mean for the investor who's maybe fairly new or maybe owns a handful of properties, and, and you know they are buying the typical uh, eighty to one hundred twenty thousand uh, dollar Memphis type property sure. what does this mean for that and what what should they think of what what should their mindset be moving forward knowing this well uh, the 80 to hundred thousand dollar property that was my property that's what we owned uh, I didn't buy the you know ten million dollar office buildings my uh, bread and butter were uh, working class family houses three bedroom two bath 1500 square foot houses that was my bread and butter so I'm, um, I'm I think I'm on the same page as most of your listeners they heard but what that means is is that you can get back most, maybe not all, but most of your down payment on these properties immediately. Uh, 
Now, there, uh, there's some restrictions as to if you're a full-time investor or if you're a part-time investor, how much you could uh, uh, you, you would be able to write off, and I would need to go into some details with you on that. But uh, what it means is is that um, you know you get to write off a lot of what you put up front. And if you put down uh, $20,000 on a $100,000 house and you can get back, uh, let's say, ten to $15,000 in tax reduction, think about your rate of return the first year that's just happened. We're talking about yeah. a 50 to 60% rate of return the first year. And a lot of people won't look at it that way. And, and, but that's, that's the way you invest in real estate. You, you, don't, you don't invest if it's an ugly purple house. You invest in what's my rate of return going to be. And uh, in the first first year, uh, we can blow it out. I've had some very large clients that that wrote some million dollar checks on their tax returns, um, who who have come to me after the tax return had been done, said, "Now tell me exactly if I make an assumption that my typical house is a hundred thousand dollar house, how many houses do I have to go and buy so that I don't pay any tax?" And so that's how large this is. It's it's a huge uh, benefit. We haven't even got to repairs yet and rehabbing uh, of the house, but it, it's it's a it's a huge, probably the biggest real estate tax incentive that we've seen in twenty or twenty five years. What do you think? Huge? What do you think brought this on, or what do you know brought this on? Oh, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, I, I mean, we have a we have a president who is in the real estate business, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, many of us have have been scouring the uh, news records to see if we could find if Mr. Trump had a uh, property somewhere in the world that came on service on September 27th, which is kind of a weird date. I mean, it's nothing sure. magical about that date. So far, I've not found it, but I am looking for it, and I'll be sure to let your listeners know. Don't worry, something it, will pop it, up. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's definitely, a, uh, it, it's a real, it's not just a real estate, it's a real estate and equipment incentive. Because I've, I was talking to a farmer client of mine uh, the day just to show how far-reaching this, this can be, not just with real estate. And he's down in Tunica, and uh, he, he needs to buy some new tractors. And these are the big tractors with the cab and the stereo and GPS and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, with a couple hundred thousand dollar tractors. Well, let's, let's, try, let's try a million dollars. Oh, boy. That shows what I know about tractors. It's a million dollar tractor. And so he's thinking about buying three tractors. Now, if he buys three tractors uh, and John Deere will finance it for five or seven years, he gets to write off three million dollars immediately. Just isn't that, isn't that just amazing? So what it's doing is is that anybody who is out there trying to do any kind of development or real estate or farming or industrial manufacturing, they have a huge incentive. And I, and I do give the, uh, the uh, the president credit for this because this is a huge incentive. People are changing their investment decisions and buying stuff uh, because uh, because of this provision. Now, in in this scenario, it's it's fantastic, you know, for the investors who are. And let's just be clear, and you can confirm this. This is really going to affect the buy and hold investor. Correct? Absolutely. How does this affect investors for say, like in a you know, let's just call it what it is, a turnkey business model, kind of like what ours is here or, or other other in, individuals that you do taxes for. How does this tax advantage play out for, for companies who buy homes, cash, fix them up with the cash, and then sell them off at a profit? Is there an advantage for them? Well, it's not an advantage in their business operations, but okay. what it does do, it helps their customer out. And sure. so it makes that property more valuable to their customer because they have a lot of deductions. 
if you're a, a buy, fix up, flip type type operation, uh, then we could write it off, but then we immediately have to give it back when we sell. So, so nothing has really changed for that aspect. Okay, and I want to just kind of clear that up because I know that some people who who may be in the flipping business are wondering how this would affect them. But it sounds like this is primarily geared for the buy and hold. Sure. And the whole point of the this tax act provision is that they want people who will invest in their business, whether it's rental business or whether it's farming or whether it's manufacturing, they want to give them an incentive to buy now. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's used or not. And Previously, under the old tax bill, uh, to get a lot of these provisions, you had to buy something new. And of course, a house isn't new, uh, and it, you know, it didn't work. Uh, but now, uh, it's new or used. So whether you buy um, you know, equipment in your business and uh, you picked it up used from somebody, you still get to write the whole thing off. Now, how long is this going to last? Is, is, there, is there a deadline on this? Is, do you, is it years? How, what, what do you know? Well, the provision ends in 2025, as, okay. as written now. Of course, Congress could uh, repeal anything they choose to. Um, and, um, and, of course, we know from just politics that you know whoever wins the next presidential election will will probably uh, make a change on this if if the opposing party does. But so we're we're really talking fairly safely for the next couple of years. Uh, but it is in the law until 2025. Uh, I would encourage anyone who's who's thinking about doing something like this. Uh, now is uh, the time to do this, uh, not not later. Well, like I say, uh, Trump's going to be president for what at least a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. At least for the next couple of years, there's some fantastic tax advantages Absolutely. for real estate investors, assuming that if he is not president next term and the provision stays till 2025, yep. man, that's incredible. So uh, huge tax savings. Yeah, this is, um, um, I, I'm almost jumping out of my chair. You know, I'm, I'm generally a you know, pretty even-keeled, mild-mannered guy, but this is something that gets me incredibly excited um, I, I have I have clients that have been in this business 10 or 15 years and they buy property similar to what I purchased they hadn't paid any tax in 15 years no tax and these are people who quote make uh, $400,000 a year uh, there is no business in the world that you can do that that I'm aware of at all uh, except real estate and uh, real estate is a place for someone, particularly of modest means, like myself, to invest in real estate and pay no tax and to make money. Uh, the fact that you can do this in this wonderful country that we have just absolutely astounds me. Uh, nowhere else in the world does this exist. Yeah, I mean, we are, we are truly fortunate and blessed that we have the ability to own uh, real estate here like we do with as many properties that, w- that we can take in. Sure. That's exactly right. It's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I come from very modest means and I was able to make a little bit of money and uh, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great country to be in. Are the tax advantages so good that it almost makes you want to buy property again? Uh, it does actually. Um, uh, I've, I'm, I'm in the market right now. Oh. Let's, put it, let's put it that way. Uh, I am in the market. Uh, I, I may buy some more commercial stuff that doesn't quite require as much uh, uh, intensive stuff. But uh, would you say your uh, typical single-family days are gone? Uh, unless it's if it was a flip of a large property, I probably would buy that. You know, like for example, if I bought a three hundred thousand dollar house in Carryville and put one hundred and fifty into it, I, I, I can see that. Uh, but the uh, 
the, the thing about it is, is that this is kind of a truism in real estate is, is the more management intensive the property is, the more profitable it is. And so uh, I have clients of mine that own rooming houses in South Memphis, and they have the most profitable real estate of any client I own on a percentage basis. And, but you know, they're at the rooming house every day. They're collecting rent every week. Uh, and so uh, as opposed to if you buy a luxury house in Collierville and rent it out, it has almost no management to it at all. Uh, but it's also got the lowest rate of return. Well, I, I, I'm going to jump in here because, you know, obviously you know what my portfolio looks like. My portfolio, for the most part, looks just like what yours yours does. It's the same type of rent, same type of price range. Uh, but I just purchased my first upper scale property, if I'd call it that. I actually purchased one in Germantown, less than a mi- about a mile or less than a mile away from my home, and uh, it rents for two thousand dollars a month. The people who are in there are absolutely fantastic. They prepay their rent. I never hear from them. And, but you are correct. It's cash flow is not fantastic. But I didn't buy that property because I'm looking for cash flow like I do on my $75,000 homes. A lot of people um, you know, get negative about buying properties in Frazier and South Memphis or Whitehaven, Midtown. Um, and, and for my clients who invest in those areas, um, they make more money <laughs> per thousand invested than anybody uh, at all. Uh, and so I would encourage you, particularly if you're familiar with that area and you're particularly if you're self-managing and you know the area very well, to look at those areas. You know, everybody in the planet is trying to buy uh, property in uh, Graham, for example, in Graham, uh, Graham at summer. Gramwood, the Gramwood area, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody is buying. And it's a great, it's a great rental area. They like the, the schools, why. schools, and it's a good, safe area. It's a working class neighborhood. So um, try to look at buying where people are not looking. Is what I would suggest. Know what you're looking for. Um, do your homework on the area. Make sure it's something that you can uh, work with, and uh, take a look at that. I'm not telling you to buy every house like that, but take a look at that. Uh, when we were investing. Uh, we became experts in Hickory Hill. 80% of our houses were in Hickory Hill. I knew every street and every bump and every whatever of, of the neighborhood. And if you become an expert in it, then um, you'll never get surprised. You, you know, usually I kind of ask for like a final thoughts when I'm kind of winding it down, but that was like a fantastic uh, almost final thought there. Do you have any final thoughts or anything uh, that we could add to what you've already spoke about well real estate and i'm gonna repeat but it's it, it it's it's worth repeating is that real estate for someone of modest means you're not a millionaire and you're wanting to you know um, do better is the best investment whether there's a recession or not a recession in fact i would love to have a, a nice little re- real estate recession right now it'd yeah. be a wonderful thing i'm ready for another one too i'm ready for another one and uh, that's time to buy you know one one thing that you you touched on earlier and it's something that i kind of talk to when because i talk to a lot of new clients who who contact me and you know my thought process for investors who are fairly new getting into this is as if you know first off by if they have the financial means to do it because like i said most of our clients are doing 20 25 down conventional bank financing you know my my advice to clients is i feel like they should acquire their first four homes as quickly as possible and that's not coming from a i want to make sales commission standpoint I, it, it's kind of like you said you know uh, one investor might be able to buy one home 
and if they sit on it for six to nine months to see what happens, maybe that house may not be the best one for them. Like, like there's problems. Maybe they had to evict a tenant or there's issues. But kind of in like the law of numbers, the more homes you have, there's a higher percentage that the other ones will surely support anything that potentially negative happens. And, I, and that's kind of how I feel like why they should get up to their first four quickly. Now, I don't know if you're if you agree with that philosophy or not, but I'd, I'd sure be interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, it's it's it is my philosophy. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's not just my opinion; it's it's a fact that um, you can spread that risk around and and get to it. Let me close with one last thing, and and I, I saw this last week with a client of mine, uh, and I've seen it before. I guess I might not have been paying attention, and it was a female who works as a medical assistant at a hospital, so modest income. And uh, she wanted to get in the real estate business, but she couldn't get a loan for a rental property. So what she did was she bought a duplex in Midtown as a single family residential, her, her house, so to speak, in which is it's a lot easier to get financing for your own house than it is for investor houses. And, uh, and one of them was, was a dump and one of them was, was nice. So she lived in the nice one, fixed up the dump, okay? And now she's got a rental property. Okay. Now, in the in the real estate world, people may refer to that as as house hacking. I I think that's a positive thing. I'm a, yeah. I'm all for I'm all for that. Uh, another way to do it is to um, go and buy a single family house yourself and live in it. Okay, save some money, move to house two, lease the the second house, um, and move every year or two. Move every year or two. Absolutely, nothing wrong with that at all. And uh, it's a way for you to get some capital involved and uh, without having to you know pay absorbent uh, fees to other lenders and stuff fantastic advice from jimmy luke um like i said that's going to kind of do it for uh this episode and i truly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule i know that tax season uh just wrapped up about a little little less or so than a week ago and uh um you know i don't know uh what you've got on the plans coming up but you know for anybody who is potentially looking for a CPA or a new CPA um, you know you can certainly reach out to Jimmy Jimmy if somebody listening to this wanted to get in touch with you sure how can they do that best way is by email uh, it is it is as follows Jimmy j-i-m-m-y at Titan t-i-t-a-n c-p-a dot com Jimmy at Titan c-p-a dot com uh, phone 901-432-8888, extension 305. Like I said, I appreciate your time, Jimmy. It's always wonderful to be around you, get your wisdom, uh, especially on taxes, because it's certainly not uh, not my expertise. You know, when my wife and I come to see you, she actually gets this way more than I do. I don't know if you've ever caught on to that, obviously. <laughs> but... Uh, Thanks again for your time, Jimmy, and that's going to do it for this episode of Investor Talk Radio. Until next time, we'll see you then. This show was produced by Kurt Davis and KurtDavisOnline.com. All rights reserved. To reach Kurt Davis, you can find him on the web at www.KurtDavisOnline.com or email him at Kurt at KurtDavisOnline.com. Everything you heard on this show should not be taken as personal or professional advice. You should conduct your own due diligence. Opinions or comments of our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Kurt Davis or KurtDavisOnline.com. 